0: Frank, it was uh, quite interesting when you came into the Microsoft office uh, a few weeks ago. Actually, when you're walking down, and you're like, "Whoa, you work next to Mads. You work mm-hmm. next to this person. That." You're like, "It was the Hall of Legends." I
1: was starstruck, to be honest, <laughs> and very—I was going to say a little jealous, but very jealous. But I tried to keep cool. You couldn't tell, right? Yeah, you
0: were—you were super <laughs> cool. In fact, I—you know—I was—I was walking out of campus before build, and I, I walked past Mads, and Mads was just hanging out. And I just queried him. I said, hey, you know, Frank and I really want to know what your favorite C-sharp feature is. And we just had a whole (laughs) conversation about it. And I'm not going to spoil that ending because I want to have Mads on the podcast one time. Let's just say it was some tuple-tuples. But um, Mm. there's a lot of good things. Spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. uh, But we had a great conversation. I thought it was so interesting. And then I actually... You're
1: just lauding this over me, right? Trying to make me more jealous. Okay, feels good, thanks.
0: Well, what I realized is that... (laughs) You have also worked with plenty of legends in the industry, and we both have, which is <laughs> yeah. so funny that it's, it's you're walking in the hallway, and you're like, yeah, we, also, we all walk, walk, worked with these amazing people. And I'll tell you a funny story. When I started in mobile development seven and a half years ago, I remember walking into my office. My good friend Austin was there. We are trying to figure out cross-platform development. I'm like, I don't understand. Am I going to to do some web technology, do something else? And he's like, you know, I used to be a contributor on this, this thing called Mono and i was oh. like i got mono one time like i don't i don't know what that mm-hmm. means and he's like no it's like c sharp everywhere i was like that sounds like the dream he's like yeah it's like this great project this guy named miguel created it and it's like i think they have it on mobile now what and i went i i didn't, I didn't know who this miguel character was um i didn't know anything about this company i didn't know anything about the mono project i was i was a Microsoft.net developer i was i was living in in the dream <laughs> of <Land>. silverlight <laughs> development nice and uh and then I found MonoTouch and Mono for Android. My mind was blown. And then I remember going into the Xamarin office in San Francisco and interviewing with Nat. Had no idea who Nat was. Nat Freeman. Did no idea. And, and just name dropping left and right, right? in the story. And, and <laughs> what a sweet guy. And I remember, <laughs> I remember going to Boston and then meeting both Joseph, my manager, and I'm meeting this gentleman named Miguel. And I came home and people are like, you met Miguel. V Miguel. Sorry. V. Miguel de Acaza. And I go, yeah, he's like a really nice guy. He's just, I don't know, he seems like a sweetheart. And they're like, you know that's the guy that like created everything that you're using in life.
1: And and
0: and uh, you owe your career to him. So you owe your career no. to him. Uh, so I thought, what better way than to try to get Miguel on the podcast? The, just, just keep talking wonderful
1: things about them until you yeah, appear. Yeah, it's like yeah, magic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't, I don't want to do too big of an introduction besides that. But you know, Miguel de Casanoli, you know, helped create uh, Mono, the GNOME desktop. Uh, Zimian worked at Novell on the Zammer. Now a distinguished engineer is that correct yeah, it's title
2: inflation title inflation title oh, inflation <laughs> yes yes yes, 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 yes. Uh, here at Microsoft Miguel but can... I think that I am actually a fan of both of you folks Ooh, what how why yeah, I mean, In I think that Frank every time that he has an idea every weekend he comes with a new, new industry changing project and I'm like alright well I'm, I'm, I mean at this point I just should have the uh, the what is new in Frank Kruger's uh, mm, uh, in mm. Frank Kruger's universe talk at build
0: do you well, follow Frank on GitHub you know you can follow people no that's how I get notifications of what Frank's doing at midnight. <laughs> oh, Frank <friend> needs he do <laughs> his new repo.
2: Oh, and, and I'll, no, I'll text I don't, him. Uh, I don't You know the problem is that uh, I don't know how to use notifications properly and, and mm-hmm. they're, they're just too many. Yeah. The problem is when you start using GitHub you start starring stuff left and right. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then you forget anyways. Well, the truth is, I'm really just trying to impress you. I'm like, what oh. would Miguel think of this? Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. Would he right. smile
1: or? Well, not? everything so that, that
2: you do, <laughs> everything that you do is like people have an immediate application for that, right? It was like, oh my God, finally somebody <laughs> that knows what, to, somebody that can that can uh, you know uh, put the puzzle together.
1: Oh, I appreciate that comment. But uh, I first met you. You were uh, impressing me. I was at Language.net, an old, small Microsoft conference. Wow. For yeah, Android I remember Chrome. that.
2: And I think I just went to the first one.
1: And I was at the first one and saw okay. you there, maybe ah. 2005-ish. And you were showing a Susie Linux. Did, did I say that right? Mm-hmm. Su- okay. Yeah. Uh, you were switching desktops. I've never seen oh, switching the cube. desktops. The cube. Oh, the cube. You oh, yes, cube the cube. happening. Yes,
2: yes, yes. yes and
1: yes. you were also showing a Second Life demo where um, people were doing amazing things with the
2: mono engine. Yeah, that, but that was uh, Jim Perbrick. Jim oh, Perbrick from Second Life did okay. the demo. Oh, they were using mono call.
0: inside of yeah, Second, Second Life? Oh. Used
2: to, uh, yeah, Second Life used a very creative uh, uh, system where essentially it was a big network and they run simulations and they tie the worlds to computers. Mm. So, uh, so every computer would be in charge of simulating, I don't know, uh, 10 square miles or something, I don't know, some number of, of uh, you know, some some area. And you could run little code. So as you walk from universe to universe, um, you know, as you run in, the, in this world, it would run some code, and that's what implemented the effect. But what was interesting is that as you cross boundaries in this world, physically, your code had to move from one machine to another. Uh. So the way that Second Life worked is that they used to sell you uh, real estate, and real estate really was computers running this stuff. And the innovation from... Uh, from Second Life in the space is that they took .NET code and they instrumented it so that they could snapshot the state of an app, right? So at any point they could say, this program, serialize yourself. And the way that they did it is that they had uh, these checkpoints and then each frame could unwind itself and save all of their local variables and state, put in a database and then regenerate it on the other end. So that was the innovation of Second Life. It
1: was such an epiphany for me because I'd worked with .NET before, but i didn't really have a grasp of open source. And the thought that you could modify a runtime to me was just, it, it wasn't yeah, yeah, even it was, it was an option at the point. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, I need to look into this mono thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: It was, uh, <laughs> so that was Jim. It's an, uh, he's awesome. an amazing speaker. Yeah. I love Jim Purbrick. Yeah, he's now at Facebook doing God knows what. He must be doing something. <laughs> something <laughs> impressive. They're always doing impressive I think he's doing a, right. a VM, actually. He, uh, he ah. might be working on Hip Hop VM. I've heard of that. He, might be yeah. working. he works out of uh, the UK. Mm-hmm. he works out of the uk as
0: dot net grew and evolved and, and xamarin grew and evolved and microsoft grew and evolved yep. it seems like it's truly now on every single platform mm-hmm. uh, i mean when you go out and you're looking at the future of net and c-sharp like what do you see like, what is the next jump and what's the next
2: well first off i i think uh i mean there's a new there's a couple of new uh worlds that we're venturing into, uh, in particular with WebAssembly. We should come back to that in a second. Yeah. But what is still very impressive is, uh, while we don't, you know what, it's no longer making the headlines, uh, the mobile growth continues to be astonishing. Just preparing for my talk yesterday, I was looking for some statistics that I could share with people. And I didn't share them all because there's a a ton of these, but uh, I think that the mobile, I mean, it almost doubled in the last year, the number of... uh, of application downloads and uh, and and you know the volume of iOS devices that are being sold. There was a rumor recently Apple is doing bad. It turns out it was one of their <laughs> <laughs> the biggest success. But uh, you know it's another uh, home run. But the same thing is happening with Google uh, with Android mm-hmm. uh, across the board. And it's not just the Google devices. It's it's exploding in China. It's exploding and in, uh, in Asia. Exploding in Latin America. So it is still mobile is still a place where. Uh, where hey the market is growing very fast. I was also impressed just by the sheer amount of apps that people purchased uh, on a single night. So the, Apple sold 300 million dollars just on New Year's <laughs> Eve, and, just, and they're all just countdown apps, huh? <laughs> I don't know what. It is. Well, that's what it is. maybe that's what it is. But uh, they sold a billion dollars between uh, billion between dollars of revenue in the last. Uh, six days of the year
0: that's just, crazy
2: and then they packed that and it was just yeah. people on vacation right so they had nothing to do so they downloaded apps like crazy and they, i guess you're visiting family oh, and, uh, and there's point. enough uh, and there's enough uh you know a roasted turkey uh, or whatever turkey whatever you way to eat or turkey <laughs> or whatever your culture does uh that people don't load it up like crazy and yeah. uh, so i so, so you know our my day-to-day job with, with james is just how do we make uh uh you know, applications are getting more complex, are getting more interesting. The UI is getting, you know, the, the UI space continues to be heating up. Uh, synchronization across devices, uh, you know, keeping your state across all these things. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of work still happening in that area. And I, I just want to make sure that, uh, that our .NET developers continue to have all the tools that they need for... Uh, for being successful across the board. So, mm-hmm. you know, it might not be the headline. AI, I think, takes the headline now. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the growth is still... I mean, it's much bigger than anything we did before. I mean, uh, I mean the amount of users and the amount of apps that are being built is, uh, is just much larger than everything that witnessed during the Xamarin years where we mm-hmm. were completely mobile-focused. So, anyways, uh, now... But I think that now there's this tasty thing in the air, right, WebAssembly. Yeah, can you give
0: an overview of of how Assembly works and what it is?
2: Yeah, so WebAssembly, so essentially for many years people have built uh, web applications used to run on a remote server and you had a dumb client that would display the content. And over time they added capabilities to the client in the forms of JavaScript and this has evolved and kind of taken on a life of its own uh, to improve the user experience on the client. And this has been great, but, uh, but essentially it's a whole new universe of JavaScript. Uh, all the code had to be rewritten for this universe. And, uh, yeah. and you know, th- that has worked great. But for many years, people have tried to run code written in different languages, either for performance or for porting code or bringing code over. Um, and, uh, and Google did something very interesting a few years ago called, um, I mean, Microsoft did several like yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Google sort of pushed, uh, forced the issue when they introduced native client. Mm, native client, I didn't know about that one. What the native that? client was a was a compiler, was a VM that relied on verifiable x86 code. Uh, Interesting. Okay. okay. Yeah. So they made x86 verifiable. Huh. So they, you could compile any C++ code into this verifiable I didn't subset. even know that was possible. I thought the instruction set was so big.
1: Yes. And, <laughs> and they forced,
2: and they forced it, it limited the number of instructions. Uh-huh, it limited uh-huh. what you, the instruction could do. Gotcha. So a verifier would ensure that that was right and then would execute your code. But it would be running effectively. It's like, uh, imagine that you compile native code with a couple of uh, things that slow it down but at least make sure that it's safe. So you are running very close to native speed. So Google did this, and it didn't get a lot of traction because it got a little bit politicized, but it forced the community to really think about how can we run? I mean, there's a need. There's clearly a need for this. So... Mozilla tried this, uh, this daring hack called Asm.js. I remember that one. I yeah. remember reading that spec, put a plus sign in front of
1: this to make it a
2: number. You're <laughs> yeah, only allowed yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Could you even branch? I can't remember. Yes, you could. You could. Okay. Of course you can branch. Um, you have to but essentially, <laughs> it was a
2: subset of JavaScript that uh, you essentially told the, the JavaScript VM, hey, I promise that I'm going to follow a set of rules in this piece of code. And if I don't, throw it away. And given that set of rules you were allowed to perform certain operations and the jIT compiler could use a static compiler instead of a dynamic compiler right so it would deal it would it would assume that certain things were statically typed as opposed to dynamically typed uh, and it got very good performance and there was a you know there was a whole debate about whether this is a good way of doing it or there are better ways of doing it and there are strong arguments that you only need to secure the parser once, and binaries are. You know, the, Whew, the usual security arguments
1: are hard. <laughs> I, I can't believe any of that got resolved,
2: to be honest. Well, it, it didn't, but it's interesting that the same people that were pushing against the binary file format eventually came to, to realize that uh, parsing megabytes of JavaScript was just it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> so, WebAssembly is essentially a binary file format intended to be jitted by a safe compiler. Right. So they said, all right, as in JS it proved its point, native client proved that it can that there is a desire. <laughs> now we kind of need to turn into real things. So WebAssembly essentially is running a separate VM inside your browser. Yeah. Right. So just like uh-huh. you have the JavaScript VM, now you have the WebAssembly VM uh-huh. side by side. That was the most shocking thing to me. I was like, okay,
1: I can finally run code in here. But then I realized, oh, you put me in a sandbox. Yeah. And yeah. now I need to get
2: myself out of the sandbox. Yeah, you're <laughs> still in a sandbox. Uh, but the nice thing is that WebAssembly is low-level enough that you can that you can target it from a wide variety compiler. So mm-hmm. the vision was there. And the problem was, unless everybody adopts it, it's going to suffer the same way that the Native Client did. Okay. Or Silverlight. If it's not widely adopted, it's dead. So... WebAssembly has been going for a couple of years now, and and this year it, it was it was adopted uh, by Edge, it was adopted by Chrome, it was adopted by Safari, and the re- uh, well Safari came later, and uh, and Firefox, and we were all waiting essentially on Apple because if Apple didn't support this. This thing was dead in the water. Yeah. For me, it was iOS. If it doesn't yes. make it to if iOS, it, to iOS, it's, mm-hmm. it might as well be dead.
0: Yeah, and you really need that global adoption, not only on the desktop, but on the mobile client mobile. side too. Yes. And, and you're right; it's, if it's not everywhere, right. then it might as well not be anywhere.
2: Well, it's not the web then. Yes. It's, it's not the, the web. The, web. And that's the yes. goal. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it is still you're still running in the web, and you mm-hmm. and you only have access to web APIs. Mm-hmm. And your well but you can now run code written in other languages. So Got it. Of course, we being .NET fans, we said we're going to put .NET in there. <laughs> so And we did. We did that. <laughs> and we did it. And, and the good news is it's just not a .NET. It's not only a .NET technology. Uh, other compiler authors are also targeting. So yeah. you'll see Rust code running there. Yeah. You'll see Go running there. Mm-hmm. Uh, C and C++ already run there. So <laughs> I am honestly very excited because it's a sandboxed environment uh, that lets you run old code. Yeah. Old fine-tune, debug, uh, you know, bug-free code <laughs> in there as opposed to trying yeah. to rewrite everything in a slow language. Um, Can we
1: rewind and talk a little bit about how Mono got involved with it? Was that
2: an idea from someone on the team? Was that So what happened was a few years ago, Apple introduced this thing called the Apple Watch. Mm, yeah, and, I love it. <laughs> and, uh, Heard of it. And what happened with the Apple Watch is that Apple for the first time said, hey, uh, this thing runs the ARM instruction set but we're not going to... Don't send us your ARM oh, native no. code. Yeah. Send us this thing called BitCode. Oh, gosh, yeah. Which is a, a higher-level description of this. And I have a theory, and my theory is that they, knew, they put a cheap version of the ARM processor, and they knew they could put a better one. Mm. Um, but if you gave them ARM code, mm. they would never be able to upgrade your code. That's what they wanted to do, uh, is retarget it. Yeah, yeah, so my thought was... They're gonna upgrade the CPU in this thing one day, and they need to be able to recompile for the better features of the CPU as they come along. That was my guess. I mean, yeah. uh, so they require people to do bitcode, and and Mono was just not ready for this. Mono generates native code, doesn't generate bitcode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, remember- I mean, it generates bitcode as an intermediate thing, but there's all this extra native code glue that we had to do. I so see. when we supported uh, the watch, we had to rebuild Mono to be bit- pure bitcode compatible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, And also Apple, for the first time, imposed limitations that are very strange because it is a Unix operating system, but they started to remove very hard, very sophisticated Unix operating systems from the supported API surface. Oh, wow. So uh-huh. they're still uh-huh. there, they're there, but they won't let you use them. And
1: as we all know, you won't get your app approved yes. if you use them. They That is correct. It, yeah. So we
2: had to do a lot of work on Mono to support this uh constrained environment, this bizarre mm. environment. <laughs> and the needs really were there for the watch. Yeah. So we did all the work for watchOS.
1: Does all that apply to the TV or is the TV... No, the TV doesn't do... Uh, the okay. TV had
2: a handful of those things did apply to the TV. Okay. Uh, but in otherwise particular, there's normal. a thing where you get the state of... Um, where you need to gather the registered contents of another thread... Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And, okay.
2: uh, <laughs> and those APIs were removed so there's uh, oh. things that uh, I, I think that they were removed for a little bit and then they were put back, something like that, I don't oh, remember okay. the details but, um, so <laughs> they, they were going down that path And um, but anyways, in between these things we ended up with a runtime that was bitcode clean and could run on a minimal OS. Mm-hmm. Mono always took advantage of every nook and cranny of the OS yeah. but <laughs> we essentially cleaned up Mono to be Able to, to essentially make it more portable.
1: Yeah, that's awesome because once you're into BitCode, then you can use LLVM's backends, Correct. and you can deploy to wherever LLVM can yep. compile down to. So that's super yes. exciting.
2: Yeah. So, uh, so I've always been a fan of WebAssembly, but I n- never thought that I would see the day um, and see it work until. <laughs> uh, you didn't have hope. You were- well, you know, I was. I, I didn't think that Apple was gonna go for it. And when they did, uh, last year's WWDC, it was buried in the release. Now it's like, wait, what? <laughs> they didn't even yeah. talk about it on stage. It's like, no, no, this is not. So is it just one of the words on the screen? <laughs> it's one of those things. <laughs> like, hmm? yeah. and And uh, so, yes, it's there. And they put it on Safari, and they put it on, on iOS mm-hmm. and the Mac. And it's like, okay. So, they um, must have a use case. <laughs> so, we got, uh, so we got one of the members of the team to start looking at this. And he started looking to the static compiler. Mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. And
2: meanwhile, we have been working on the interpreter, on the, I, on the .NET interpreter for iOS to solve our class of scenarios to enable people to do more things yeah. on iOS. I'm completely excited for all that, too. <laughs> yep, and that is also very exciting. And then Rodrigo Compare in a hack week said, you know what, it's good that you guys are doing static compiler, but I think I can get a quick proof of concept of the interpreter. So he finished that thing very nice. quickly, and that's what a lot of people are using today. So anyways, we got .NET running now on WebAssembly everywhere. Mm-hmm.
0: So when Frank and I often talk about web development, I always have the question of like, Where's the code running? I, I remember I made an ASP.net application one time and, and Heather came over. She's an ASP.net developer. And I go, But but, like, but where does it run? i w I I'm clicking the button and where like where where is the code? Where is it running? She's like, Well it's up there, but but I'm like, it's here because I'm so used to the mobile aspect, right? My yes. code it's in the app. It's in the Real computer. It, it, I don't have that distinction as, as a person that never made web development. It was kind of mind blowing. But then when Frank told me, he goes, "No, web is like now your code is like in the browser. Like, yeah. It's in there and it's running in there." That kind of like, yeah, you can turn spark. off the connection to
2: the server. Yeah. right. That's and
0: the exciting thing. Yeah,
1: yeah And not only did you get the interpreter working, it's pretty fast too. I was
2: pretty impressed. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not it's not terrible, but the static compiler will be. I'm sure. Once we do the static <laughs> compiler, it will run as fast as WebAssembly can run it. Yeah. Right now we're running code on top of something that runs on top of WebAssembly. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the interpreter is, I think, is great for developing yeah. and, and 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 quick iteration, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the static compiler yeah, will make your glorious. build times slower, but it will be super fast. This, yeah.
0: So so now is this actually the reality of let's say I'm a company that has a bunch of you know drilling logic for oil or something, right. who knows, or, or sp- space rockets. Yes. And I put that in a, a .NET standard library. Yeah. Like I can run that on my phone. I can run it literally in the browser. Yes. I can run it on a server. Yes. And it just runs.
2: It supports .NET standard. That's right. Ah. Um, yeah. And the thing about the WebAssembly is right now what we've done is we've done the runtime to run on the web. And different people, including my very dear Frank Kruger, my friend Frank Kruger here present, uh, have done very interesting things with WebAssembly. We, we're not doing those things. So first, the ASP.NET team is doing Blazor. Yeah. So that is more like a web-first approach to development. Mm-hmm. If you love your divs and you love your HTML tags and CSS, but you love .NET, now you can build that thing. And that is a Blazor approach. Got it. So it's very much for the web crowd, people that are, you know, live and breathe and, and, love, uh, and love the web and the intersection of .NET and HTML. Um, and then Frank surprised the world with this framework called UI, mm-hmm. UI uh, which is a fantastic UI framework uh, that was initially built for ASP.NET Core.
1: Yeah, actually, it had its own self-host server to start yeah, oh, HTTP really? listener is my favorite. Oh, I love that class. Yes, I love that too. Oh, and it's, it's amazing. A .NET standard now, so you can spin up yep, a server yep, yep, and any, yep. anywhere you want it. Yep, <laughs> yeah, and no, 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 that is fantastic. But so yeah, I, I had to make it work on
2: ASP.NET Core. <laughs> yeah, so, so you can host it in ASP.NET Core and running on your server. So you can build UI that runs on a server. And, uh, uh, and it's a new UI toolkit, right? Frank mm-hmm. built a whole new UI toolkit called UI. And then he ported Xamarin Forms. To this UI toolkit,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and my mind was blown. <laughs> as long as I
1: impressed you, remember that's my goal. As long as you. Well, the thing is now there's
2: all these people asking me questions about uh, <laughs> when are we going to support this. I'm like, I'm sorry <laughs> for that. I'm sorry for that. No, but I think that it, there is a lot of excitement, right? Yeah. It's uh, you know, the day that they stop asking you questions, the day that you know they need to change industries. Yeah. Well,
1: the truth so. for me is, I just love to see NET everywhere. I mean, that, <laughs> that's the whole point of. I feel like a lot of the endeavors, the Mono thing is just, if you have a computation device, we should be able to get Mono on there. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) And then the fourth one is uh, this thing called Uno. So some folks around here, a Canadian company uh, built a UWP implementation in.NET .NET that runs on Android and iOS. Wow. So they've had this product for a while. They use it for their, for porting apps for their customers. And then they said, "Oh, there's this WebAssembly thing. We should give it a shot." <laughs> so they have UWP running on the browser uh, with WebAssembly, and uh, that's an And it's like Silverlight is back, yeah, but without plugins, <laughs> with
0: no plugins, no plugins. Yeah, no. Pl- it's just, yeah. It just runs natively. So I think that's an important thing to really get across is uh, is that. It's not Silverlight. There's no additional plugin. Right. Just it's it's supported in the browser. Like it just yes, there
2: are no plugins. No plug-in. It's amazing. Yeah. So
0: I love a non-plugin. Browser I think that's world.
1: why we weren't yeah. sure if Apple would support it because it did have that Flash feel to it, maybe it. a little in the beginning. But it's no longer. <laughs> it's I mean, not, it's
2: not. If though. you're on the web browser, uh, there's you know. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, that's what we oh, we all right. said. You know what? Yeah. Maybe they won't go for it. Right. But it, I think it's the right thing for all. I mean, the way that I, I like to think about this is. What kind of technical decisions you have to make that will survive in the next 10 years? Mm. 10 and years? Yeah, so, hard. <laughs> so if you want to say, I mean, but this is one of those decisions, right? Like, should we, we continue to build the future of client computing on JavaScript? And, and maybe today that's a pragmatic, practical mm-hmm. approach. The question mm-hmm. is, is that really what we should be building the future of humanity in 10 years? And, uh, you know, the answer is... Uh,
1: or the downsides of a monoculture, like we're not trying different things,
2: and you're right. getting stuck into a rut. So I think that WebAssembly is a great choice because it will g- give great diversity to client programming. So we like the model, or the deployment model, um, but also it opens the door to all these third party languages, and we'll, we'll run Python, and we'll run Perl, and we'll mm-hmm. run anything, and you will run it on the browser, right? One of the things that uh, that we've, that we did is, you know... Uh, I, I, now we have this Azure thing where you can go to try .net, right? So yeah, you it. go to a site and you try .net, and you can uh, you can get to learn there a little bit, .net. It, it's a no deployment thing.
3: Yeah.
2: And uh, but it means that somebody has to pay the bill for running those <laughs> servers. Oh yeah. I, you need to defend yourself against somebody uploading some uh, blockchain running code mm-hmm. or uh, some. Uh, you, have to you know, build malware, a you need something. to build a yeah. sandbox, and, yeah. but you need to put timers and defenses oh, yeah. and all these things. And somebody has to pay the bill for the machine. I mean, <laughs> it's not free, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, we have this technology for exploring APIs called workbooks. Yeah. It's an interactive uh, It's an interactive .NET shell. And uh, and Aaron, on his copy of spare time, essentially said, "I, you know, it's already HTML-based. I'll put it on the web. So he put it on the web, <laughs> and then... Uh, and then he said, and I'll run it on WebAssembly. So, essentially, now yeah. you can try .NET without paying for the server, right? It's amazing. I mean, every person pays for their own thing. Uh, and there's, you know, Aaron did that thing as one I'm familiar with. But a lot of people are doing this. You, don't, you no longer need to, ro- to set up a machine on the back end for these sort of scenarios. If yeah. you have a smart client computer that can do the work, why not yeah. let the client do the work? Why put all the, you know, there's a yeah. term in the industry the uh, COGS, the cost of goods sold. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah. yeah yeah it's like well what is the cause? so it's okay. uh, you know somebody has to pay for the machine in the end <laughs> right and you already paid for your you know yeah. you have it on your lap mm-hmm.
1: so and this um, way the server is back to being a nice database and API server the way yeah, we want it uh, to be you can <laughs> still use
2: them but you, you don't now you don't need to be setting up sandboxes and yeah. hiring a, a, a team of uh, you know your red team and your blue team trying to <laughs> hack that thing and uh, what
1: a great fit that was i remember when workbooks first came out i was like oh really html that's what you chose for your rendering engine yeah. But wow, how lucky they got Yeah, now it they got runs lucky. in
2: the browser beautifully. It runs <laughs> in the browser. It's very nice. It's very nice. Um, so yeah, I think that there's a lot of opportunities for WebAssembly. Uh, I don't know where it's going to go. I just love the fact that so many people are trying so many different things with it right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I met up people on the show floor. It's like, I'm, I'm using this thing to make sure that my library is working on the web. It's like, all right. <laughs> sure. Uh, good. 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 I'm. I'm glad.
0: <laughs> we are talking about some side projects too. We were talking oh. about Aaron, which is interesting, because I just you know I follow you on GitHub mm-hmm. um, because Miguel always seems to be up to something. Uh-huh. Usually for the greater good.
1: Talk about oh. someone you need to follow. Yeah. Mm. And mm. Uh,
0: and I'll I'll link to some of these projects, but I saw a commit twelve hours ago. yeah so this is at 11 o'clock at night
2: oh yeah yeah i know (laughs) on
0: uh (laughs) gui cs yes oh uh it seems like you're always working on something how do you even find time to do stuff and like what
2: but what is this what is you gotta tell everyone no well you know i spent a lot of my time doing management and planning and uh you know running a team and i was getting i was getting honestly very uh very sad that i was not writing code Mm. uh and um so about a year and a half ago, I made the decision that uh, after the kids went to sleep, instead of watching TV shows or checking what's oh, happening nice. on Facebook, I, uh, I would devote a couple of hours to write some code. So it's really deliberate. That's great. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that's why I did TensorFlow Sharp. I knew nothing about AI, so I said, well, I might as well okay. learn by binding TensorFlow for .NET. So I did that, and then, uh, and then I still spend most of my day on a terminal, Even if I did Gnome and I love UIs, Uh my life is still in a terminal. (laughs) Yeah, so I still spend most of my time in a terminal. So uh, I have a vision, I haven't launched it. You know what, I'm just gonna announce it now.
0: This week's episode of Merge Conflict is brought to you by Syncfusion. You know Syncfusion, you love Syncfusion. I love Syncfusion because they deliver to you the most comprehensive UI toolkits for all of your favorite platforms. Whether you're developing web applications with JavaScript or ASP.NET Core, or React or Angular or mobile applications with Xamarin or UWP or Hack, even desktop applications with WinForms or WPF, they have everything that you simply need. I love them because when I go in to build an application, they have it all. They have data grids, charts, graphs, date pickers, combo box, buttons, all the things that I don't want to build over and over again. Better yet, they have crazy complex amazing controls such as kanban boards these full sparklines range navigators maps all the gauges that you could simply imagine now what i do love though is when you get a little bit deeper into the woods and you need to deal with file formats they fully support excel pdf word and powerpoint it's a simple drag and drop control into any of your applications so where do you go to learn more it's easy Go to Syncfusion.com slash Merge Conflict to learn about all of their amazing charts, controls, and UI toolkits for all of the great platforms. Simply go to Syncfusion.com slash Merge Conflict. And thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this episode of Merge
2: Conflict. But my vision is I want to launch a website called Console Sharp. Okay, tell us more. So it's all about <laughs> making sure that .NET developers can build great uh, apps for the console. Okay. Okay. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and right, it has yeah. four pillars, right? <laughs> wow. Okay. So I've been working on this secretly. <laughs> and sound, getting, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah, it has four pillars, four pillars. The first one, and you may know about this, is mono.options.
1: Mono.options. This is the command line parser? Yeah,
2: that, okay. com- that only parses arguments to the library. That's all it does. Okay, yeah. And... And I've been working with John Pryor in our spare time to make sure that uh, that you can do nested commands. So you can do things like, let's say that you, you build a command, that, the Frankinator, right? Oh, yeah. So Frankinator add resource <laughs> or Frankinator remove resource or Frankinator <laughs> list uh, targets. You know, so you know, you know how you have these nested commands that people do like with Docker yeah. and Git? Yeah. Yeah. So we now support so that. Cool, multiple that's, that's nested so things. In vogue. <laughs> And I'm working on the code completion piece so that you, on the shell, you get, always get a command line shell and then you, you tap complete, right? So, uh, so that's the first pillar and it's, uh, it's gorgeous and I love it. So that's more options. The second one is the line editor. So once you launch an interactive console app, you want to have arrow keys that work and up and down yeah. and search and yeah. history and all history. that stuff. So that's my line editor library. So pillar number two. Okay. <laughs> pillar number three. You actually want GUI applications in the console. Ah, <laughs> turns out. <laughs> so I built a UI toolkit for console apps. Uh, it has a Linux driver and Mac driver and a <laughs> Windows driver. And, uh, you know, I got views. It, 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 it borrows a lot of concepts from iOS, Okay. So the view model, the rectangle, the layout system, uh, the responder system. That's awesome. So the nested view, so any view can contain nested views, mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff. And I think the uh, and the one thing that I'm very proud of is the layout system because it's, it's new, and iOS is, is you know has this, uh, this very complicated system. So I, I didn't want something too complicated. Yeah. I wanted something easy. So I came up with a a system that both keeps the frame from iOS but you can say i want absolute position with the frame or mm-hmm. i want this um, this descriptive this okay. descriptive layout system which uh, it's based on two types dimension and position
1: okay i saw this dimension class it was interesting yeah. is it proportional it can be this? proportional oh, okay. it can be
2: anchored it can be it can fill it oh. can center so you describe what you want this thing to do Or it can be relative to other elements. So it borrows some (laughs) elements from iOS. It borrows some elements from iOS, but it doesn't uh, keep the complexity of the constraint system. Okay. Um, but it still does a topological sort to make sure that the... That the oh, of course. Topological <laughs> sort of the GUI. I know that because I have to Google how to implement it. It, it's a, it looks like, I bet I could just look right through the list. How hard could this be? And then it's like, oh, actually, so I, I Googled, like, oh, this is, there's a little bit more smarts here than I thought. So
1: is that uh, a constraint system? Is that why you have no, to do that? No, it's not a constraint okay. system.
2: No, it's just that you need to make sure that if A depends on B... That you do, it then yeah, order. that you first oh, okay. do the first one, yeah. right?
1: Uh, <laughs> so I have to interject and say yes. this gives you that beautiful blue, that shade of blue that yes. we're all used to mm-hmm. from the early DOS days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where did you get that? Where was your first It's experience? from Norton
2: Commander. It's the, the Norton Commander. the yeah. colors of Norton Commander. <laughs> yeah. I love the Norton Commander. I still <laughs> so use retro. it every day. I every. use Main <laughs> and Commander every day.
0: You know when you go into some banks and you're yes. like, you 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 do that little thing where you peek around and you're <laughs> like, Ooh, that looks like it's from the 70s. That's some
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel real. So, so cool, is some cool Anyways, ones. I think that the future is driven by consoles because oh, we're gosh. all we're all sshing into a machine, right? Now that everybody's Kubernetes, it's thing. true. It's I'm true.
1: amazed. Web developers spend all their time in the console. It seems they're using tmux. They've got eight billion different windows. It's you crazy. So I'm here to give them love. Yeah. And, okay.
2: but the four pillar, fourth the pillar. The fourth pillar. pillar. Oh, yeah. The fourth <laughs> pillar is mono supports this thing called uh, single uh, unit deployment. Hmm. So you take your library with all kinds of .NET, uh, you know, DLLs and and, and, and a bag of, uh, you know, garbage, and it puts it in a single binary, single executable, no no payloads, just one binary. And not only that, but Mono can cross-compile. So you can take your Windows machine Ah. and generate binaries for ARM, ARM64, uh, Linux, Debian, BSD, whatever, and that's from, using the
1: tech from Xamarin. That's similar to the tech. Uh, you no, this is, this
2: is a beautiful. It's a hack. It's a oh, hack. Okay. You're going to love it. It's, a, it's called MK Bundle. The tool is called MK Bundle. Make Bundle. Yeah, I, make I bundle. got it. <laughs> yeah, Make Bundle. And, uh, no, it's a hack. It's a hack. Okay. It takes them on a runtime. <laughs> it concatenates all the assemblies at the end. So it just, it just concatenates them. Oh, into like a tar almost. Yeah. Almost like a tar. And then it puts a little signature at the end that says, I'm a bundle. And here's the directory of all the things that I attached to the end. So Mono, I modified Mono, nobody noticed, but I modified <laughs> Mono so that at the start of the first thing that it does, it looks at its own executable and says, do I have a special tail? And <laughs> if it has that, <laughs> instead of loading from the command line, it goes and extracts it from there. So That
1: is amazing. So and those are works the four on pillars. Mac, Mac and Windows, that's where it's, Linux, yeah. uh, everywhere? Works everywhere. Okay, works everywhere. all the four and
2: pillars. Then, so we have
1: start at the command line, yeah, we command. need um, good commanding. Then we need good line completion, uh, a read line replacement. Yes. Then we have an entire UI framework with topological sort. (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) Finally, we can uh, compile them down to native and deploy them as binaries through what like Debian packages or something. No no like no that. single
2: binary. Single, single binary. Single binary. And then you and you can say from your Linux <coughs> machine or your Mac, you can say give me an executable for Windows uh, and it spits out a native X. Ex- or give me an executable for uh <laughs> Linux PowerPC.
0: We're living in the future. <laughs> I know, I know. Now so, no, I just want to put XAML on top of it. So actually yeah, sure. I need a
2: volunteer. I need a volunteer to help me build the web page. So No no, no somebody oh, that a styles designer oh, yeah, yeah. that, that yeah. says console yeah. sharp. Uh, that reads I need to buy the domain. I hope nobody buys the domain before I do.
0: Um, yeah,
1: maybe
2: we should get
0: on that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, I, well, that actually does really, to me, complete my dream of having beautiful native, applications native. on every platform, <laughs> on whether console. it's whether it's console, whether mm-hmm. it's GUI, whether it's, whether it's it watch. It is a GUI web it's
2: watch. Yeah, we can do console web. Uh, anything. Can we see us on the watch? No, <laughs> we should. <laughs> you know, I need to. We need to build a UI view that. Uh, you know, I was I I, I run into some some gentlemen here at the conference and. Uh, and I don't know what he's saying. Well, I have a question about VT, escape sequences. Like, oh, yeah. You know, I'm we're building a, a terminal emulator myself. <laughs>
3: yeah. But
2: Part of my project, is I need to build also a, a terminal emulator so you can embed it in GUI CS. Mm. And uh, he goes, I have one. Uh, like, well, I looked for it and there was nothing. It's like, oh, I just open sourced it. Let me get management to approve the open source because I open source with a permission. Like, uh-huh. all right, I'll wait for that. but, yeah. uh, but it, it seems like we're gonna get our terminal emulator, so we should be able to put the terminal emulator. You're not the only one that wants an awesome terminal yes. experience. So I we're gonna be able it, to put it in a UI view on a WebAssembly UI, or a Forms control. Anyways, awesome. I love this uh, console stuff. All
0: right, so truly done it, absolutely everywhere. <laughs> I love it. All right, so before we get out of here, because yes. uh, uh, we ask everyone that we have on since the beginning of of anyone on 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 uh, Merge Conflict is a simple question. Yes. Which is what library or project is not getting enough attention that you think it should be and why? And why, why should people love it and go check it out?
2: Well, uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to toot my own horn here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, the nstack library, oh. which oh, okay. is an effort to port good ideas from Go to .NET. Mm. Oh, you're inspired by Go. Yeah, there are things that I really like about Go. In particular, the Unicode support. Hmm. So, NStack is really a uh, library to do Unicode to the full extent of the law. Oh! <laughs> and uh, in particular, in particular, it introduces this data type that I love from Go called Rune. 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 Oh boy! It's really a full. It's really <laughs> a Unicode code point. And the Go philosophy is, okay, hey, nobody's going to say Unicode code point. Oh, okay, gotcha, so, gotcha. You know, and the so problem, you I can know, think of it as a character. It's, it's a, char. a char. It's a okay. replacement for char. char, but the problem is that char has been abused. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, so okay. now it's rune. So rune is thirty-two bits, mm. but it it supports the full Unicode space. So, anyways, there's rune support and strings, and, <laughs> and my strings can be sliced, right? So you can say I want a slice of this, <laughs> and uh, oh, okay, ah, and nice. they're composable slices. And
1: so I think you were telling me once this is the library you want if you need good emoji support. <laughs>
2: yes, and in fact, console applications running into this problem all the time because there's two scenarios: a uh, certain characters like Chinese characters sometimes need to cells, right? um, two cells, right? Two cells on the display. It ruins your alignment. <laughs> right. It ruins your alignment. And also emojis, uh, you need to be able to display emojis. Mm-hmm. So, And emojis are tricky because as you process uh, code, most of the coding that uses UTF-16 mm-hmm. cannot see emojis. They think that emojis are two characters. Yep. Uh, so yeah. yes, you can write proper coding but it's too cumbersome yeah. mm-hmm. because you're still dealing with this idea that you need to check with the high surrogate, the low surrogate. And you can't search for it. Is uh, yeah, that right? It's yeah. a mess. You yeah. need to, essentially, what would be a beautiful for each loop becomes mm-hmm. like 10 lines of if statements, right? <laughs> yeah. So when you think in runes, none of these problems happen. Nice. So I needed something that could deal with emojis in the console. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and, and you don't face this problem on iOS and Android because you're not in charge of the rendering, the OSA. So you hand them utf 16 with all kinds of hanky-pankies in there, <laughs> and the system will do the right thing. But in this case, I am the toolkit, so I uh, need to uh, okay. handle the emoji, it's and I need It's come full to, circle now. It's come full circle, so yeah. I need to do it. I do need to do it all. So somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. I want the T-shirt. I am a. I am the system. <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: my goodness! Um, um, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's
0: so awesome. that's, it. that's it. All right. Well, Miguel, this has been. Absolutely as delightful as I thought it was going to be. We Absolutely try to talk amazing.
1: about you on every episode, so oh, we have it's a really Miguel awesome bell. to have you. Oh, really? We have a Miguel
0: Bell recording. whenever we mention your name. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on.
2: Oh, thank you for having me, yeah. folks. I would love, uh, I, and I, I subscribed to your podcast as you saw my, uh, my screenshot. Thank well, you Well, saw the much. notification. In fact, it was a notification <laughs> that came in, and, and James was sitting next to me, uh, and it was uh, a notification from MoCast, my oh. favorite. Oh, there it is. It's still there. Look at that. I heard you're nice. That's
1: right. Democracy now. Oh, yeah.
2: Right. Well, it was also. There oh, was God, also yes. a merge And Merge uh, Conflict. And Merge Conflict. There's, uh, <laughs> there's also a Merge. Uh, oh, there it is. My Merge Conflict episode is also there.
1: Boom.
0: Fantastic. And this one will be up soon. It'll it. be up soon. Yeah. All I right. mean, it'll be there. Yeah. All right. Well, Miguel, thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Um, Frank. I love it. We could do this forever. Let's just
1: have Miguel on every week.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. I'll put all the links to every single thing that Miguel mentioned in this episode. Somehow I will find every single thing on the internet. You can, of course, find me on on the internet at James Montemagno. Frank is at Proclarum. The show is at MergeConflict.fm. You can also go to MergeConflict.fm. You can leave feedback right on this show or send us an email. We would love if you subscribe, share with your friends. I'm sure Miguel will be sharing all the time uh, to everybody when this episode comes out. (laughs) So follow all of us on the Twitters. (laughs) Until next time, this has been another episode of Merge Conflict. I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Kruger. Thanks for listening. Peace.